Well, good morning. Along with Ben's welcome and Andrea's welcome, I want to welcome everyone to worship as well, especially those of you joining us online, a very special welcome to you. This morning we continue, it's our second week in our summer sermon series where we are looking at Bible verses, it's called The Master Gardener, we're looking at Bible verses that have agriculture in, mixed in, those Bible verses that teach us about who God is and who we are as his children, how we're called to grow as followers of his son, Jesus Christ. And today we are talking talking about the parable of the mustard seed. I love this parable. I love all of Jesus' parables, but there's something about this one that I just, I'm like, oh, there's so many ways to go with this one, and I, we could be here for an hour with me preaching. So let's pray that, that let's, that's not going to happen. Let's you join us in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, I give you thanks and praise for who you are, for your Son, Jesus Christ, for this, for your Holy Spirit that calls us and draws us together to worship you in this place today. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that's been poured out on these young ones who are baptized into Christ's body today. Lord, we ask that during this time as we dive into your word, Lord God, that you would open our hearts, our minds, our ears, our eyes to what you would have for us. Speak to us by your Spirit, Lord, and nourish us in your word, so we can be sustained for living of these days. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. So the parable of the mustard seed. All right, when I, was, when I found out uh, a while back that I was going to preach on this parable, I was so excited because I am a gardener too. I'm not a master gardener in any way, shape, or form, but I would love to garden. And so I'm like, oh, I wonder if I could have like an object lesson, if I could have like a mustard plant. And then I quickly realized, you know what, maybe I can't have a mustard plant because a lot of farmers around here consider that a weed. And so I'm like, maybe I, you know, do they have it at Fleet Farm? No, they don't have that fleet farm. But Justin Morgan, who oversees, uh, earlier this week, if you were here, we had our big castle, like he builds all those things. Well, in his infinite wisdom of props, he hopped on Amazon and got us some mustard seed. And so I have some pictures. I did try to grow mustard plants. And this is, so in my hand are about 40 to 50 different mustard seeds. And, um, and then on the other side there are the plants that started to grow. They were one of the first ones to pop up in my big tray of plants that I planted for this year. Um, they, they shot up the first ones in a few days. I had those, those seedlings ready to go. And, and a couple weeks passed by and they grew even taller. They were a few inches tall. But you know, I have a couple rambunctious boys at home and the tray toppled over, and the plants are no more. So I was so excited to bring you like a foot tall plant, but that's not, that didn't happen even, I tried, I tried. Um, but here's what I do know, here's what I do know about that experience. Mustard seeds are not the smallest seed. Even though the parable says that it's one of the smallest, it's, it's not the smallest. I would say one of the smallest seeds I've ever planted is a basil seed, and, and they're teeny, teeny, they're even smaller than what, what was up there. And, and the mustard plant doesn't actually grow into a tree. It grows into a bush, uh, usually about four or five feet tall. At its highest, about six feet tall. And yeah, the birds do kind of nest in it. Here's a picture of it. There you go. That's what it looks like. That's what it normally looks like. So what is up with that? Why would Jesus use the mustard seed and the mustard plant as an example if it's not the smallest seed and if it doesn't grow into a tree? 
Well, the first thing that we have to recognize is that when Jesus tells parables, he's really trying to make a big example. And so he uses hyperbole. He uses parabolic language to represent something significantly small and the tree to represent how something significantly small can grow and become a large, unexpected, beautiful thing. So what other things can we equate this to? Like, what, what's something that starts small and gets really big? Well, I don't know why, but for some reason, my brain went to one word and one word only, and that's the word wow. It's three simple letters. It's used a lot. We all use it. And we're like, wow, that's amazing. Wow, that's cool. Wow, I can't believe you just did that. Um, but I know when I use it, and I use it a lot, it, it it's not really that amazing and that significant, but there is one person in our culture who learned how to take that one three-letter word and make it this big, huge thing, and it took on a life of its own. His name is Owen Wilson. If you don't know who he is, here's a clip of all the ways in which he says, wow. 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 and how he says this tiny word, wow. A small thing that takes on a life of its own. So in Jesus' use of the mustard seed for the parable, he's telling us that the kingdom of God can show up in something small, something ordinary, daily even, but grow and bring something large and wonderfully unexpected, that the kingdom of God then just kind of takes on a life of its own. I, I think, when I think of something like that, something tangible, something today that's like that, it makes me think of a few ministries here at Hope. We have many ministries here at Hope, but there were just a few that really popped out and came to mind for me. And, and one of them is, is our prayer ministry. Specifically speaking, our, our prayer cross, our prayer shawls, and our prayer uh, quilt pocket ministries. They're, these little things are, are two inches by two inches. And, and if you feel inside, there we go, there it is. If you, inside each prayer pocket quilt is a cross. And the person who has made these, I just spoke to her at last service, she's made over 2,500 of these. She started this as a simple way to share faith with other people, to encourage people in life and in faith. And, and, and on the back, she, she clips this to it. It says, the pocket prayer quilt was especially made for you to slip into your pocket. Throughout the day when your fingers touch the cross inside the quilt, be mindful of God's love and grace for you. Keep it as a tangible symbol of God's peace. And it really does. It really just slips in the pocket super easy. easy. You don't even know. And then, and then when you put your hand in your pocket and you're, oh yeah, I have something in my pocket. And you feel that cross, you're reminded of God's loving presence is with you. Another prayer uh, item that we have, it's small, again small, where this is small and over 2,500 have been given away here at Hope. This one, this one was started by just a small group of, of kind of some stoic Norwegian, Norwegian men here at our congregation, right? Like, these are guys who don't really talk about Jesus. They believe in Jesus, but they don't, like, openly emote about Jesus. And so one of the ways that they could share their faith is they created these prayer crosses. And, and as they did their woodworking, they carved them out. They 
They burned in faith, hope, and love in them. And, and, and what they would do is it would just be a simple way. If they, if they found somebody, if they met somebody who needed encouragement, who, who needed to know that God was with them and God is for them, they, they, would, they would take one of these out of their pocket. They carry them with them wherever they go. Some people carry them in the cars. I carry them in my purse. Um, but they'd get one, and then they'd share it with that person and say, this is to remind you that God is with you. Hold on to it. And know that God is holding on to you. And these prayer crosses, not only 2,500, but tens of thousands have been made and given out. A small thing, a small token. And yet tens of thousands have been given away. So much so that one of those crosses, when I was at a restaurant and I went to go pay my bill, I, I had to find my wallet deep in the depths of my purse. And, and I carry these on me at all times, because you never know. And so I'm pulling the things out, and I put this on the table as I continue to look for my wallet. And the, and the waitress said to me, oh, you have one of those. I said, yeah, I do. Well, I have one too. Well, great. Tell me about that. Continue to look for my wallet, scavenging around. She tells me that, that she was given one of these when she was very, very far from God. A time when she wasn't talking to God. She'd stop praying altogether. And yet, when she was given one of these by a member of our congregation, she found herself praying again, trusting in God, believing in God again. Now, the giver, I know when I give these, I don't, I don't know what to expect when somebody receives them. It's just a small token, a small encouragement. And yet it grew and became a big thing in that person's life and for the kingdom of God. So these prayer crosses and prayer quilt, pocket quilts, they're small tokens. But it encourages big faith. It's a small thing becoming a wonderfully big blessing someone else and for the kingdom of God. And that's what mustard seed faith is like. But it doesn't just stop there. And I think that this is where it's important to go on to that second parable that Jesus shared with us, the, the parable of the yeast. Now, any of you who have ever worked with bread, have ever used yeast in any, any sort of um, recipe, you know that yeast, a little pebble of yeast, is even smaller than a mustard seed. They're teeny tiny. And so this, this parable that Jesus tells, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all the way through the dough. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear about this, when I think of a tiny little pebble of yeast going into six, that's like Costco Sam's Club size bag of flour. Can you imagine it? Trying to knead some water and flour and this little tiny bit of yeast, and you're working it until it grows and grows and goes all the way in through the dough. That is some seriously hard work. Think of the patience and the persistence of that woman. And even more significant, something that our modern ears would miss, but that Jesus' Jewish listeners would have been like, whoa, even more so, was the fact that in his parable, he used unholy things, things that, that were considered unholy, to represent the holy kingdom of God and his work in this world. You see, 
The people who did the holy work in the temple and went into the holy of holies in the temple, they were men, they weren't women. They were men. You would associate men with holy kingdom work. And any of the bread that was used for the sacred high holy days in Jewish tradition, they didn't use yeast and leavened bread. They used unleavened bread. And yet Jesus tells us that God's kingdom is like a woman who worked in a little bit of yeast into 60 pounds of flour until it was worked all through the dough. The kingdom of God is like that. It works and shows up in small and unexpected places. Even places where we think it isn't a holy place, God's kingdom can show up and grow there. I really wrestled with, okay, what is something that we consider, you know, God isn't a part of that. It's not holy, and, and there's definitely some separation there, and, and how could God possibly do anything with that? I was really wrestling with this, and I prayed about it, and of course, God provided. And so, just a couple weeks ago, as I was pondering this sermon, we were taking a road trip as a family, and, and it was some distance, and because of the, it was some distance, one of the quick parent tricks. You guys keep this in mind. We have tablets, right? We hand our kids tablets and, and you know, we're like, okay, this is a long haul trip. And so we got the kids in the back playing their games on their tablets or reading a book on their tablet. And, and my husband and I are talking in the front seat. And so as we're driving down the road, we start to hear one of our son, the son who's behind me, and, and we hear him kind of muttering and mumbling, but it gets louder and louder. And, and it starts off as like, in the holy name of Jesus. What is he saying back there? In the holy name of Jesus. I think he just said Jesus. In the holy name of Jesus. In the holy name of Jesus. In the holy name of Jesus. He just so loud. And my youngest son, I turned back. I said, Winston, what are you doing? What are, why are you calling on Jesus' name? He's like, well, I'm playing Minecraft. You're, my, you're playing Minecraft? Well, yeah. Well, why are you why are you praying to Jesus? Well, because I need more iron when I smash the blocks, so I'm praying to Jesus that I get iron. <laughs> and now I said, now, you, and you're probably like me, right? And you're like, okay, we do not pray to God about Minecraft, right? Like, he, you know, I don't know how much God is in the algorithms, right? But, but in that moment, I had to stop. I had to stop myself from correcting my child. Because in that moment, well, I don't think Minecraft is like the holy place, right? And in our family, we really try to keep God's name holy. We only ever use it when we're praying to him, when we're, when we're talking about God. And yet here is my son, who's five years old, and he believes that when he calls on Jesus' holy name in any and every circumstance, that God will show up that God will show up and be with him and help him. And I don't want to squash that because when, at what age, at what age did I stop believing that? 
At what age did I stop bringing even the small things to God? I only ever brought the big things to God in my prayer life. Because don't you do that too? You know, you're praying for your friend who has this medical diagnosis over here. You're, you're praying for yourself and something that you're wrestling with over here. The big things in life. But the small things, you know, God's got a lot to deal with. And, and really, he doesn't need to hear about that. He's got far bigger things to deal with than that. He's got far bigger things to deal with than the lack of my patience before two cups of coffee and lack of patience with my kids in the morning. I'm not going to pray about that. Like, I'm not going to pray to God about my Netflix addiction. I need, I need to, like, stop binge-watching this show so I can get a really good night's sleep. You know, I, I really don't need to be praying about, I know I've got a screen time issue. I know I've got an electronic social media issue, but really, that's on me. God doesn't need to handle that. What daily thing have you been wrestling with that you have forgot to invite God into and believe that he has the power to enter into your heart and help change. Because that's what kingdom of God's stuff is about. This is what mustard seed faith is about. It's about trusting God in all things. It also means trusting God through hard things. And I think that's what the parable of the yeast tells us. That perseverance Consistency in faith. It can feel hard at times and not enough, but it is. It really is. One of the persons that I, I love to read about and, and read her works, person of faith, her name is Corrie Ten Boom. She's a Dutch woman who, who grew up during World War II. Her family were, was a family of watchmakers. But because they were a Christian family, a faithful family, they did try to help many Jewish families escape Nazi Germany during the Holocaust. But because their faith led them to help people during hard times, they found themselves in a concentration camp. And it was in that concentration camp where Corey's faith was challenged but also grew. She watched her sister die of starvation in that concentration camp. And even in the face of that, even in the face of that really difficult thing, because I think oftentimes when we face really difficult things in life, that we have a hard time trusting and believing in God. If God, if God could help me in this hard thing, if he could fix it all, well, then I would believe, right? Like, we would test God, right? But Corey didn't do that. She, she continued to stay in faith in God, and through it all, she never gave up faith. She continued to seek the Lord. She continued to serve the Lord, even in the concentration camp. She had mustard seed faith, but she still gave it to God. And after World War II, she didn't let her experience just be her experience. She let her experience be a conduit of God's kingdom work. She would go on to write books and to become a public speaker. And one book in particular, it's her biography. It's called The Hiding Place. I would encourage you to read it. She talks about how even during that most difficult time in the concentration camp, she found and shared hope in Jesus. Can you imagine it, being in a concentration camp where death is all around? She still found hope and shared hope with others. Why? 
because she took an eternal view. Her little mustard seed faith had an eternal view of this world. Yes, we go through hard things. Jesus says in this life, you will have trouble, but take heart. For I have overcome the world. And she believed that. She had this e eternal view. Even as, as her sister died, she didn't lose heart because she knew that Jesus conquered death and she would see her sister again. One quote, as she did a bunch of public speaking, one quote that has stuck with me, and I think we can all hold on to that. When things get hard, we need to still have mustard seed faith and trust God. Here's a quote from her. It says, when a train goes through a tunnel and it gets dark, you don't throw away the ticket and jump off. You sit still and you trust the engineer. That's mustard seed faith. Even our small faith, when we sit still and trust the engineer, when we trust God, the author and creator of life, he will get us through. Which brings us to the second thing that the master gardener teaches us about mustard seed faith. He teaches us that it's not the strength of our faith, but the object of our faith that matters most. God's kingdom come doesn't come because of the strength of our faith. It comes because of the strength of the one in whom we place our faith in. God's kingdom, it's because Jesus, it's because God took on flesh in Jesus and walked this earth. And, and even though Jesus was one with God, he was the most humble of men who ever walked. He lived a sinless life, and yet he died a sinner's death. He paid the price for the sins of the world. He was the one who, who not only experienced death, the very darkest of what humanity could offer, but he conquered death through his resurrection and empty tomb. So when Jesus says to us, you believe in God, believe also in me. You believe in God, believe also in me. If, if, hey, I'm going to go to my father's house and I'm going to prepare a place for you. And would I not tell you this if it weren't so? I'm going to go prepare a place for you because here's the deal. Believe in me, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Knowing who Jesus is and all that he faced and all that he conquered, how could we not believe in him when he tells us that he is the way, the truth, and the life? That there is life for today, there's hope for tomorrow, and there is life for eternity. This is what mustard seed faith holds on to. It may feel small and insignificant today, but because of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, that mustard seed faith can become an incredible force in your life. I want to encourage you people of hope, if you want to experience mustard seed faith, I want to encourage you to start trusting God with the smallest, with the daily, with the ordinary things in life. Start handing him those things that you've been trying for too long to handle all on your own. Hand it to God. And then watch, wait, and see what he will do. If you want to know a place to start, how do you do that? You know, I want to encourage you. We've got that, that book study coming up, Sacred Rhythms. It teaches you, gives you tools on how to pray, how to have mustard seed faith, different ways to connect to God, and different ways to learn to trust in God through prayer. Sign up for that. I hear we ran out during the last service of the prayer crosses and the prayer quilts. So I want to encourage you, come back to church and get one of these, okay? Come back. We'll have more later this week. Because I want to encourage you to, to grab one of these and be blessed. 
Hold on to it in your pocket and know that God is with you. Trust God even when it's hard. Because he will show up. And he will bless you. And he will make his kingdom grow in and through you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I give you thanks and praise for your son, Jesus Christ. For the one who has faced all the horrible things that this world could possibly throw at him. Sin, death, and the devil, and he's conquered it all. We thank you that, that even though our, our faith seems like as small as a mustard seed some days, God, that it could only be there by the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for our mustard seed faith. Lord, we ask that no matter where we're at today in our faith walk with you, if, if we have faith like a mustard seed, it, it seems so small and insignificant, and, and we barely hear your still small voice some days. Or if our faith is, is like the faith that moves mountains, and, and you're just shouting at us day to day. Lord, wherever we're at, Lord, I pray that you would meet us in a special way today. God, that you would show us your presence in our lives. That you would continue to grow us as your people. And continue to show us how to follow you. We ask this in Jesus' name.